because we had had an order of songs. We we tweaked it and worked with it yesterday, and this one didn't sound right. We put this one there and moved that one there and came up with Here I Am to Worship. It just so happens, I was thinking as we, Jody was singing that, that that's part of the message today. Here I am. Here I am. And so we'll see that in Scripture today as we turn to Acts chapter 9. Uh, I just felt like today was in continuation of the, the life of Paul and the beginning of his ministry, uh, that it was another of that crossing lines and it's crossing more lines. So I hope this, this past week you were more conscious of lines that maybe you haven't crossed or lines that you have crossed and that there are other lines that God's calling you to cross and he's calling you to be faithful to cross these lines and, and that you can't do it without extreme faith. You can't do it without extreme love, being led by the Holy Spirit of God. We don't cross lines just to cross lines. We don't try to make a statement just to make a statement. We do it led by the Spirit of God. Then he's always working it, okay? He's working it. He's, he's already making plans for it. He's already prepared works for you beforehand, the Bible says. Not that you know, many people say, well, I'm saved by grace. That's, that's right, but you've got to read the whole Scripture to do good works that he's already prepared for us to do. So today we're looking at the life of Paul. I told you last week we weren't going to get into his life. We will this week. But I want you to understand, when we talk about the life of Paul, you cannot talk about the life of Paul, and we're going to be naming him Saul because that's his original name. We're not going to be talking, we can't talk about the life of Saul without talking about the life of Ananias. You see, a lot of people, we want to make this, Acts chapter 9 is all about the apostle Paul or Saul who was converted on the road to Damascus. But with, listen, this, this verse, if we're talking about the church in action, we're talking about a man named Ananias. We're going to talk about this man. We're talking about this man of faith, this man that was willing to cross lines. And so, listen, you may be that Ananias that's here today. Now, this isn't the Ananias and Sapphira. This isn't that Ananias because we know what, what happened to him, don't we? He did. This is not Ananias the high priest. This is another Ananias. This is the only time except when Paul mentions him later on about his testimony in Acts 22, I believe. This is the only time he's mentioned in the Bible. So turn about in your books and your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. We're going to go through about 20, 22 verses, I think. And I want us to, I want us to see, uh, we're, going to, we're going to continue on this, this, the idea of God's destiny in our life versus Satan's destiny. How many of you want God's destiny to play out in your life? You know, we don't want to live out Satan's destiny. We don't want to live out the enemy's destiny. It says, then Saul, still breathing threats. And murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and he asked for letters from him to the the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way. Now, that was the early name for the church, this movement, who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, the enemy's plan for Paul or Saul was very extreme. And I'm probably going to say Paul or Saul a lot today because I just always say Paul. But the, the enemy's plan for Saul was very extreme. He wanted him, listen, he wanted him to go and actually quench this, this movement of the Holy Spirit that began on the day of Pentecost. He, he was actually physically wanting Saul to go and get letters. So he, like, he was like a bounty hunter, like he had warrants for their arrest. And he went to the high priest and said, give me, these, give me all that you can. I want to go. I want to arrest him. And many that he had already arrested before this time had already been in prison imprisoned and many had already been killed if you don't think god can use you look at the look at saul's life god can use you satan had a plan for him but god also had a plan also had a destiny for him look at verse three 
As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Now, it's interesting that Jesus, then when he encountered Saul on the road to Damascus, he didn't say, why are you persecuting the church, did he? He said, why are you persecuting me? Now, you go and look and do a study of the word persecuting. This word persecuting means to drive away, to stop something. So Jesus is saying, why are you trying to stop me? Why are you trying to stop what I've put into motion? Why are you trying to quench what God has already ordained, what the Father has ordained? Why are you trying to stop that? Why are you persecuting me? Because he knew exactly what Saul was doing. He was going out and killing Christians. He was arresting Christians. He was trying to stop this movement. And then he said something very interesting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Now I've got a picture. Hopefully this picture. Here's this is a goad. Say goad. This is not a goat. I sent the picture. Richard, can I say can I can I tell on you? It's kind of funny. He said he thought that I'd send a picture to Jeff to send to him to get on the screen and it's about goats. And he said, Well, those aren't goats. This is a goad. And there's a lot. Listen, a goat is a, a long stick. And man, they had some fancy ones. Long stick that had a spear at the end of it and a prong to the side of it like this coming out the top. And you know what they were used for? It wasn't for him to hold up his staff. It was when the, when the oxen, not the goats, when the oxen got out of, out of line, they would tap them on the heel. Tap, tap. So they would get back over where they were supposed to be. You understand? If they were going to the left and they needed to go straight, they would tap them on this side and they were, whoa. You know, so uh, when, they, when he says, when Jesus said it is hard to kick against the goads, he was saying, listen, what you're, you're doing, you're going against my plan for your destiny. Think about this. Go, let's go back to destiny. He said, listen, I've ordained your destiny. I've got a book written about you, Saul. And it is a, it is a book that is beautiful. You're going to be, you're going to write, you're going to do so many awesome things in the kingdom of God, but you're kicking against everything that I've said, everything that I've ordained for you. How many of you have ever felt like you're kicking against the goads? And God's just constantly, pat, pat, get back in line, Harold. What are you doing over there? Get back in line. Drew, get back in line. Oh, oh, see, we don't understand. He, he loves us so much that he doesn't want us to get off course. He doesn't want us to end up in the ditch. And some of you this morning, you have been kicking and kicking. Listen, it's a losing kicking battle. And it is hard. I love how Jesus said that. He said, it's hard for you. But listen, it's hard for you and you and you and you and you and me. It's hard when we kick against the, the almighty plan of almighty God, isn't it? Hebrews 12, 5 through 6. I want to read this from the New Living Translation. It says, then have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as a child. Listen, if you've never been goaded... By God, you're probably not his child. I'm just going to say it straight up because he punishes. In other words, he goads, he corrects, he disciplines those he loves. 
So don't take it as, oh, I can't believe God doesn't love me because he put this, this situation in my life. No, say, God, thank you for correcting me. Thank you for showing me my error. Thank you for exposing something in my heart that needs to be exposed. See, sometimes we just get up, we get upset when things are exposed. And God says, no, no, no. That's the only way you can be healed. Anybody ever have an infection in your skin and it kind of gets ugly? What happens what, when you go to the doctor? What do they do? They, they, they usually cut it open. They slice it open so they can get some medicine in there, right? That needs to be exposed. It needs to be so all that junk can come out. Well, God will expose some things in your life because he has a destiny for you. And he knows if you're holding on to all these things that are not a part of his destiny, he is going to goad you back in place. Get back on, in track with your destiny. Even the word goat, I was telling Mary, you need to think about the word goat itself. You ever thought just sit around contemplating the word goat? <laughs> how, many, how many of you know somebody that that's what bullies do sometimes? They goad you into doing something. How many of you have had peer pressure? That's, that's goading. Okay, but God's goading is a disciplinary goading. It's, an, it's a righteous goading when he says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you back in line. So here's Saul. He's on his way to arrest Christians, he's on his way to put them in jail, and he meets Jesus on the road. Now, the next thing is that the, this is what the Lord is waiting to hear us say. This is where this song kind of came in this morning. If you're taking notes, this is part two. This is the second point. There's things that God wants to hear us say. Did you know that? And I think for you this morning, he's waiting to hear some of you say these next two things. The first one is, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? He's waiting to hear from you. He's waiting to hear from you. you. You know that? Some of you, you just want to get silent before God. You say, if I don't say anything, I don't speak anything, God's just going to, he's going to forget about me. He didn't forget about you. He's waiting to hear from you. Acts 9, 6, the first part of that scripture. So he, this was Saul again, he was trembling and astonished. And he said this, Lord, what do you want me to do? Would y'all say that with me this morning? Lord, what do you want me to do? Now say it to him. Lord, what do you want me to do? So you said it to me. You're loud. To God, you're a little bit quieter. <laughs> Just close your eyes. I want to help you with this. Just say it to him. Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, the most important part of that statement is, Lord, Lord, say Lord. See, Lord means master. Lord means that you're the servant of. When you address Jesus Christ, when you address the Father, when you address the Holy Spirit as Lord, that means you're submitting to his will. You're submitting to his will and his way for your life. So Saul immediately recognizes this voice. He immediately recognizes where this voice is coming from. And he says, he didn't say, hey, man, what do you want me to do? He didn't say that. Hey, man, upstairs, what do you want me to do? He didn't say that. He didn't say, oh, uh, uh, higher power, what do you want me to do? No, he said, Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, I'm going to submit to you. Lord, I don't know what, I don't know that much about you, but I'm going to tell you, I, sub, I submit, I surrender. I know that you must be awfully powerful. You're not me in the dirt. You've got my attention. I can't even see now. And he said, Saul responded, Lord. What do you mean to do? 
I've encountered so many people that have such an anemic walk in their faith. You know why? Because they know Jesus as Savior, but they have not submitted to him as Lord of their life. And some people say, well, that, that, that's that recommitment stage. I don't know what you call it, but I'm telling you, if all you know is that Jesus has got you, he's got your name stamped, your, your name is written in the book of life, and you're going to go to heaven when you die. If that's all you want from him, listen, he wants more from you. He wants you to submit your life to him so you can call him Lord and mean it. You can sing Savior, 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 Savior all day long, but he wants to hear Lord, Lord, Lord. And the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. I love this. I love this response from Jesus Christ. He said, he didn't say, I want you to preach to the Gentiles. Although someday he would, right? He didn't say, I want you to take the gospel to Rome. He didn't say that. He's, because, but we know that Paul did, or Saul did. He took the gospel to Rome. He didn't say, listen, Saul, I've met you on the road to Damascus. I want you to write 13 books of the New Testament. He didn't tell him that, did he? See, some people are so afraid that God's going to tell them to do something they don't want to do. And this is, what, this is the magnitude of what Jesus told Saul to do. He said, Get up, go to the city, and you'll be told what you, must, must, what you must do then. He had to say, Saul, I want to show you how we do this in baby steps. See, some of you, 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 don't, you haven't taken the first step. You haven't said, Lord. But God is, God is he's calling you. He's got this destiny for you. And the first thing he wants you to do is acknowledge him as Lord. And then, listen, when you acknowledge him as Lord, he's going to say something very simple. This is what I want you to do, Harold. This is what I want you to do, Jan. This is the next step. And, you know, for Amanda this morning, the next step was, Amanda, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get baptized. He says that to all of us. Repent and be baptized. Arise, go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. You know, what that, you know what that's called, don't you? Simple obedience. Say simple obedience. You got to do the first thing before God will take you to the second thing. Isn't that profound? Verse 7, And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. That had to be a kind of a frightening thing. Uh, moment in his life, wouldn't you say? But they led him by the hand and they brought him into Damascus and he was three days without sight and he neither ate nor drank. I want you to understand when God calls you to do something, when he's lining out your destiny for you, he's not just working this side of the deal. He's working the other side of the equation. Because he sees everything. He doesn't just see this side of us. See, so we are so human. We have such finite minds. So many times, all we can see is what we can see. We don't see God working on the other side, do we? We don't understand how he's lined things up. We don't understand that at one moment, one day, he had somebody plant a seed that, that one day would become a sycamore tree that for this young man named Zacchaeus to climb up. God ordained all those things. He, he, his timing is perfect. I got to see a sycamore tree when we went to Israel. Not that exciting. Anyway. 
He didn't climb up a mesquite tree, though. So. The second thing that God wants to hear us say is this. Here I am, Lord. Here I am to worship. Hmm. Isn't that funny? Here I am, Lord. Jesus loves it when we confess this. Here I am, Lord. Look at verse 10. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus. His name was Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. <laughs> I love that. Here I am, Lord. That's the kind of relationship. Isn't that cool? That Vision, hologram vision. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? If you ever had a vision, it's kind of like a hologram in a, in a way. You just see something there that's not there. Anybody ever had a vision? That's a, and it's not, what, it's not a dream. Come on, raise your hands if you had a vision before. You, you see something that nobody else can see it, but you see it. It's clear as day, right? And not many people have visions. Not many people have more than one vision. I've only had one vision in my life, but it was really cool. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. Boy, you better believe he was praying. When you be praying, if you've just been knocked down on the road and you were going to have Christians arrested, you met Jesus Christ on the road, and he, he met you there, and you said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the first thing he says, arise and go to the city. And you, ri- you rise and you wake and you open your eyes and you can't see anything and you're having to be led. Listen, you talk about humbling yourselves before Almighty God. You know the old saying, if you're not willing to humble yourself, you could be humiliated. And he was led by the hand. I mean, this is the, the super Saul, you know. He was a super Pharisee. Being led into the city by a bunch of men that all they heard was some voices and really couldn't make heads nor tails of it. But again, we see here that Ananias says, here I am, not Lord. I mean, not Savior, but Lord. He's acknowledging who he's Who's, who's speaking to him? Verse 11. So he told him to go to the street. Um, I'm sorry, I just read that. He, he said, go to the street, call straight. He didn't go. I love it that God didn't call him, didn't already prename the street crooked. Don't you? Go to the street, call crooked. <laughs> it's almost, it's almost, well, it is prophetic. Go to the street, call straight. Where are we supposed to walk? Straight. What is, the, what is the road that we walk down? It's a straight road. And the Bible says that he makes the crooked paths straight. And he says, I want you to go down this street called straight. And there's a man that's going to meet you there. God's working the other side of it. And he says, get up and go. Hmm. This is what I wrote. What could happen in this church body, in this city, in your families, if everyone here would honestly say this morning to Jesus, here I am, Lord, what do you want me to do? What could happen in your life as an individual? What could happen where you work? What could happen in your family? What could happen in your schools? What could happen in this church body? What could happen in this city? What could happen in this state, in this nation, in this world? If Christians would just rise up and acknowledge who Jesus Christ is, Lord, here I am. I am not running from you. I'm right here. You can see me. Here I am, Lord. What do you want me to do? Because so many times in Scripture, people would run from him. Jonah ran. Here I am, Lord. Bye. See (laughs) you. Don't want to do that. 
Moses, uh, no, you got the wrong guy, God. What would happen if you individually, what if, what if we truly said, Lord, here I am, just like I am. This is, this is what you got, Lord. With all my faults, with all my wrinkles, with all my frailties, all the stuff that, you, oh, everything that I've got, here I am. This is, this is it, Lord. You created me, but I'm yours. I surrender to you. Here I am, Lord, King, Savior. What do you want me to do? If you honestly ask that question, acknowledging him as Lord in your life, of your life, guess what? He's going to tell you to do something. Look at verse 13. How many of you people know that it's okay to question God? Come on. Some people go, oh, no, no, I would never question God. Listen. Quit being too, don't be so religious. Really, that's a religious spirit. Oh, I would never question God. Really? It's just a religious spirit. Oh, I trust him in all things. Really? It's okay to question God. He's, he's big enough. He can handle our questions. If you read scripture, people question him all through scripture. He didn't zap them. I can't believe that. Moses, you know, David wrote all the Psalms. Have you read many of the questions that David wrote in Psalms? Question mark, question mark. Well, it's okay to question him. Then Ananias answered. See, because Ananias was not super spiritual. See, sometimes we put on that little super spiritual cape. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, hope you know. Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. In other words, Ananias is saying, Lord, I don't think I like this guy. Lord, you must, seriously, have you heard? Isn't it funny how we do that with God? Have you heard about this guy, Lord? <laughs> Maybe you missed him. I don't know if you know about Saul, but he's not a good man. That's when I think God chuckles, you know. He can arrest me. You mean you want to go meet this guy and he's going to lock me up, throw away the key. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Now, I think this next verse is a little bit funny. I don't know. It might have helped Ananias in the actual going to him. Because God says, for I will show him how many things he must suffer <laughs> for my name's sake. I know you don't like the guy, but he's going to suffer. <laughs> so you might want to go and meet him. Just me. You ever question God? It's okay to question him. Even in your purpose, God, I, I don't quite get my purpose yet. It's okay to ask him that. Lord, I, I chose this profession and doesn't seem to be working out so well. Lord, is, is, this the right, is this the right path I'm supposed to go? He's okay to ask him those things. It, it really, the questioning of God really has to do with the motives of your heart. It's really where it comes from. Now, if you're just questioning God because you want to question God and you want to mock him and all these things, that's wrong. But if, you, if, you're, if you've got these motives within you, I, I don't understand why I keep going back and doing the same things over and over. God, could you help me out on this? Why? It's even though sometimes we just say, why me, God? 
He's not offended. What are you? Why am I in this situation, God? Listen, that doesn't offend him, but it gives him an opportunity to speak to you. When you ask him, he will give you an answer if you will listen. It's okay to question God, but I want you to see the next thing. Faith overcomes fear. Verse 17, and Ananias went his way, entered in the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, huh, you like that? This guy that he wasn't even sure he wanted to be in the same county with, he calls him brother. I think he got the message from Jesus, don't you? Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. If you read in Acts chapter 22, it was like Ananias says, listen, you need to get baptized. He arose and he was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. I want you to see this is where Ananias, I believe he crossed the line. He crossed the line of, I'm not sure about this man, too. Brother Saul, come on in. I've been waiting for you. God's already told me about you. You know what Saul probably, probably would have said? I can't see you yet, but he told me about you, too. Isn't that beautiful? Don't you love the Word of God? God orchestrates things. How many of you, you may not see it today, but how many, if you, were, if you just take a moment to reflect on your past, on your history, how many of you have ever done that? And you've, you've, you've kind of watched where the trail went. And you watched as God goaded you back this way and goaded you back this way. And you ended up in this place. And you ended up here today. And you don't, man, but, but you look back and you said, I saw God's hand here. I saw God's hand here. I saw God's hand in the parking lot at Walmart. I saw God's hand here and in here and here. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And you go back and go, wow, God, I could not have figured that out. He said, I know you can't, but I can. And he's got a purpose and a destiny for your life. I think that's the most important thing that we can get. He has a destiny for your life that is so beautiful, but you've got to come into agreement with his destiny for your life and not the enemy's. I don't know what, I don't know what would happen to Saul if Ananias hadn't agreed. I believe that God would have had another person. He has a backup plan. But he already knew that Ananias was going to be faithful. Ananias, we don't know anything else about him. I didn't go back and look and see what church history or tradition says about him. I believe his destiny was specifically aimed at that day. Just like Stephen's was that same that day that Stephen said, Okay, if you're going to kill me, kill me. God has a destiny for you. Say he has a destiny for me. Come on. such a time as this. Verse 20. Immediately he, this was Saul, he preached, listen to this. Immediately he preached the Christ. It means the Messiah. He didn't just preach Jesus. He preached the Messiah in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and they said, Is this not he who destroyed those who call in his name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Just stand.
We'd have a ministry team to the front, please. I know many of you have already received prayer this morning and miracles. And but as God has laid this, this series on my heart, the church in action. He keeps impressing over and over in me about destiny, about living out our purpose. You may be in that place today where you don't have a clue what your purpose is, what your destiny is supposed to look like. You would like somebody to pray with you, come to agreement with you that God would show you that. Some of you made some wrong choices and you say, you know what, I I don't know that I can ever get back on track. I I don't know. And listen, God's going to goad you. Out of his love, he will he will tap you on the heel, so to speak, and say, no, 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 I'm, never, I'm not through with you yet. You're breathing. I'm not through with you. I'm not done with you. You may think, I've lived a horrible life. Well, really? Compare that to Saul's. You were probably like an angel. Can he use you? Yes, he can. What does he want from you? He wants you to advance his kingdom. What does he want from you? What does he want from me? He wants him to be glorified. He wants to be glorified in our lives. And, and I, he can be glorified in a lot of ways, but I don't think there's any more glorification comes to God than when God's people live at his destiny. He gets all the glory. You know why? Because you're going to be the first one to say, hey, this isn't me. This is God. I couldn't do this on my own. So this morning, bow your heads, close your eyes. It's just going to be a simple invitation. Simple invitation. Is your fear bigger than your faith? Are you afraid of the what-ifs like Ananias might have been? Well, I want you to know that God's got an answer for that fear. And he wants to let faith arise in you this morning. And for those of you this morning that, men, you feel like you've just made some bad decisions, you're going down the wrong road, I want to ask you to step out and come and just receive some grace. These people are full of grace up here because they're full of Jesus. Just come and receive some grace. Come on, just come out, just come receive some grace. Man, I made some bad decisions. I don't know if this road I'm walking is the right road. And God said, listen, I got you. I'm not, le- I'm not left you. I'm not going to forsake you. You're not walking this road by yourself. Even in your rebellion, you're not walking it by yourself. I, wa- I want to bless you. I want to re- redirect your steps today. I want to I give you a new dream. I want to bring you to your destiny. Anybody else? And you just feel like you've, you're a failure and you just, you just want to give up. And today's the day that God says, no, 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 no. I've got a destiny and a purpose for you. It's far beyond what you can ask or think or even imagine. If that's you this morning, I want you to step out and come. I'm just going to wait a couple, a couple more minutes. A couple more minutes.
Jerry and Jan and Robert and Yellen and Jason. He uses people like that to speak into your life. So if you need prayer this morning, this is just the last last minute. If you need prayer this morning for anything, just invite you to come. These people, like I said, they operate in a lot of love and grace. No condemnation. No condemnation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. See, you're just waiting for this last couple of people. You're just waiting. be seated.